Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5 is the chapter that prepares us for chapter 6. I know it sounds obvious, but it's not. The Lord wants us to walk as children of light. And that's the theme of my message. And and it's important you understand that because we're going to get into the spiritual warfare of chapter 6. Now pay attention because uh, I I see chapter 5 of Ephesians pretty much the same as Matthew chapter 5. In chapter 5 of Matthew, Jesus called from the crowd the disciples. It's the moment that occasional followers are challenged to become disciples. That crowd participants, attendants of services, are called to go to the top of the mountain. Matthew chapter 5, the Bible says that Jesus saw the crowds and He went up. Say with me, He went up. So there is a higher ground. There is a higher position. There is a higher path on the, on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples, say with me, disciples. So one thing is the crowd. Another thing are the disciples. Say amen, everybody. We are called to be a church of overcomers. Overcomers, disciples that make disciples, who make disciples. Now, I say this because we can always be in the multitude, just waiting for fish and bread. When we were destined to be those that distribute the fish and bread. In Matthew chapter 14, in the multiplication of bread and fish, the Bible says, verse 20, that Jesus ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. Interesting because Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread to the multitude, to the crowds. But he gave to the disciples. He gave first to the disciples. That's why we are receiving first today. That's why we are receiving first today. Because God is calling you to be a disciple. Say amen everybody. And once the disciples got it, the disciples gave them to the crowds. Are you guys, are you guys following with me? Verse 20. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up afterwards 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. So it is amazing already to be part of the crowd. But the Lord wants to give you a full basket of food. Not only for you to distribute, but for yourself. So I believe if you are following up in this series, it's because God is calling us to be disciples. It's, it's interesting because Jesus always had these three types of people in His ministry. The crowd, the multitude, the occasional followers. Just like Nicodemus, this famous Pharisee that came to talk with Jesus. But not in the open of the day, because he was embarrassed, shy, to identify himself with Christ. Even though the Bible says, he actually states that, we know you came from God. Nicodemus states that, we know 
you are the Messiah. And it's, that's the problem of the occasional followers. They know a lot of things about Jesus. But they are embarrassed. They are afraid of the consequences of identifying themselves with Jesus. But not you. You are a disciple. Say amen, everybody. You are a disciple. Now, again, I'm, I'm setting this ground because we're going to walk now in a conversation in Ephesians chapter 5. That if you are not a disciple, you may be scandalized. You may actually look for another church. I don't want you to do that. But if you are honest with your Bible reading, you can't skip Ephesians chapter 5. And, and honestly, if you want to go to chapter 6, which is the spiritual war, the spiritual warfare of the believer, we must be children of light. Let's go very briefly in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Look what is, what is ahead of us. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Say with me, present darkness. That's the reality of the world. Just stay for a few minutes in your uh, news on the TV and you're going to find out we live in a present darkness. And how is the best way we can defeat darkness? But walking as children of light. That's the best way we can actually stand and make, and make our message known and displayed. We don't want to just have a doctrine about the gospel. We want to display in our personal lives, in our marriages. In our relationships, when people show up in our life groups, they will see evidently the light that shines through us. Are you guys ready for Ephesians chapter 5? Let's read it. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. I'm reading Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Verse 2 now. And walk in love as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So now we have the standard of love. Let us finish this block and then we're going to go uh, in the verses. Verse 3 now. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. As is proper among saints. There be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral, or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 7, therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part on the unfruitful works of darkness, 
but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen? Let's try to cover these 14 uh, verses. And if the Lord gives us grace, uh, we may extend a little bit. Right? So, uh, the message, we believe in our hearts have to go down to our feet. And I know we say, what you are listening and is coming to your brain has to go to your heart. But I dare to say it has to go to your shoes, to your sandals. Because it's all about the walk. Walk as children of light. When I mean here is that Paul already taught us in chapter 4 that we should walk in love. When we put off the old self and put on the new man. When we put away the falsehood. And the language that we speak is always truth. When we don't sin just because we are angry and mad. But we refrain from stealing and actually do good and hard work. When we talk in ways that avoid evil. Avoid hurting people, but rather we build each other up when we choose to forgive rather than hold unto bitterness. That is what I mean that our behavior displays our message. So, because we had Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. You can already notice the, the tone of the conversation. The standard, the model we should follow, the influencer we are following here is not just a nice, cool, and stylish YouTuber. It's God Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And He loved us despite our, our mistakes, our transgressions. Actually, He loved us even when we were enemies. We were slanders and blasphemers. We were against of everything from God. But He loved us and He reached out with His grace. It wasn't us. We couldn't save ourselves. He came and saved us. And when I preached that last week, I have to say that this week I was tested every single day about the sacrificial love displaying verse 1 and 2. And I learned that sacrificial love is the one that really offends your ego. When people are misunderstanding you and they start to form images, an idea about you that are not true. And you could defend yourself or you could love them regardless. You could explain, but you just decide to love despite. But it hurts, it's not fair. But that's what it means, sacrificial love. That's what is the motto of Christ. And it's very clear in verse 2, it is a fragrant offering. One of the images of worship is incense. Just like Pastor John mentioned today in the offering time. And the tr true 
worship comes from this sacrificial love. Now, I say these guys, it's very important, church, we understand. Because God will give us, and I'm not saying this just because I'm trying to encourage you. It is a fact. God will give our church an explosive growth. Even this year. Like, we, we, we saw this. Like, it, one thing is just to believe, to see. Another thing is when God sovereignly arranged a way to show you. And now more than believe, you can see that it's possible. And you say, this is going to take place in our church. But together with this explosive growth, a lot of the sacrificial love will be required from us. Leaders, disciples, disciple makers, you men and women of God, I need you. Once the sacrificial love is set as the platform, now we can speak on the practical matters of life. And I, I, I have to say that this text sets the quality standards we need for our church. But again, don't take that the light we shine is to condemn anyone. By the way, the light only shines the light does not condemn anyone that's not our job to condemn their conscience and satan is already doing that we simply shine the light we're not in the business to condemn anyone we're in the business to preach a message and love despite the failures and limitations matthew chapter 5 14 says you are the light of the world say amen everybody and a city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Hill, mountain, disciples, they always shine light. They shine light with the model of their marriage. Like when you bring your life group to your house and you show what it is. The Christ-like, the bride-like, biblical-like marriage, you shine light. You don't need sometimes to condemn, accuse, point fingers. You simply display that. Bringing people close to you. Visiting a family with six kids. I was, I was exposed of how I eat in the table a few weeks ago with my boys. They have six boys and they all behave in the table as young adults. And my two little boys seems too beast. No, they are awesome kids. I love my boys. But they were not behaving as like though that couple with six kids. That's what happens when we walk as children of light. Verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put under a basket but on stand and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Tell to somebody close to you, let your light shine. Come on, find someone who said, let your light shine. If you speak Portuguese, deixa sua luz brilhar, meu irmão. It's very important that we simply let our light shine. And gives light to all in the house. 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In other words, people in seeing the light in our money management, that we have nothing to hide, being enlightened, illuminated by the way we deal with our taxes. <laughs> With our uh, personal lives. They are not going to be afraid of God. 
but they will give glory to the Father. When we do that, we don't condemn. We simply stand in our faith. That's why I needed to prepare you that you will not be like Nicodemus. That were called to be a light, but preferred to meet Jesus in the darkness. Don't, don't be an occasional follower. There is more here. First Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim, that you may shine the excellencies, the attributes of him who call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had no, had received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 11, beloved, Peter says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh, which will wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So I remember Pastor John preaching uh, in Romans, reminding us that the whole creation, right, proclaims in an evident, unquestionable way the invisible attributes of God. Romans chapter 1 and 2. But you are God's creation. Therefore, we carry even greater responsibility because now through our deeds, we can bring even more glory to God. So it is possible that through us, those who dwell in darkness will be led to the light. We are the, the, the signing, the signs that points the way. They are touching the walls in order to find a way, but they look at you and see some light, some hope. There is still some good out there. But again, our ultimate goal is not condemnation. I like to read Ephesians chapter 5, 13 in the New International Version, NIV. Because this is what it says. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So our light represents love, grace, forgiveness. It's an act of evangelistic exposing rather than condemnation. Now one thing that lights, the light does, the exposing aspect, remind me about quality inspection. Nobody likes to be inspected. When an inspector showed, shows up here in the building, I stay on edge. Because he will find something to be fixed and I don't, want, I don't like to be inspected. You probably don't like to. But everybody likes a good quality product. Everybody likes a safe, high quality service. So the Holy Spirit, through the scripture, in Ephesians chapter 5, makes this quality inspection in us. In order to increase the quality, to bring unity, and the result is growth. 
I'm going to repeat the myth. It is the quality that leads to unity that brings the genuine growth. We are growing quality. The Lord is inviting us to be one heart, one mind, one vision in this church. I'm telling you, we will experience explosive growth, church. We should, this should be recorded as a, as a prophetic saying. Because these are going to take place and you're going to say, Pastor, the church is a mess. I will say, I told you. These will take place. I need your quality, your standard. In the middle of all darkness, we are light. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Or do not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, no man who practice homosexuality or woman, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God. Now in all Paul's writings, he, he, he builds this trinity of corruption. Scenes related to the body. Scenes regarding the tongue. And scenes regard the heart. Paul speaks about them in Ephesians chapter 5. We read already. Is sexual immorality. Is the filthy and crude talk. And greed. Avarice. So later, later in the same chapter, he's going to touch again, make reference again about drunkenness, gluttony, gluttony offense, offensive jokes, and bribery. So it is uh, scenes related to your body. It's scenes related to what you talk. And the behavior related to your money management, how you see money. And, and this trinity are all together. And that's why, I'll be very honest with you, I'm very distrusting of people that have a constant, crude, joking, and filthy talk. They call themselves sometimes believers and Christians, but their mouth is still revealing their secret life without their even noticing. But I agree that it's useless just to change the outward aspect of your speak. If your heart is not changed, but believe me, if your heart is not changed, eventually you come out through your mouth. It, it's inevitable because the mouth speaks out of your heart. It, it, it's just like this connection. Now, we know this connection very fast, very easy, mouth and heart. But maybe you forgot that it's also connected to your pocket. That's what Paul does. He connects the seams of the heart with the mouth and the pocket all together. So before we go into the aspects that Paul tries to do, I need to have a word about identity here. Because every time that Paul speaks and mentions and refers these lists 
of immorality, any wickedness, and greedy, and avarice. Uh, every time he either opens or closes the thought, reminding us we are not like the Gentiles, like the people of the world. We were one time like them, but we are not anymore. And I, it's important to have a word about your identity here. Because even if you struggle still, even if you're still being tempted with immorality or with greed or with dirty talk, even if you stumble here and there, listen to me. Your struggle, your temptation does not make you a immoral person. It does not make you a greedy person. It does not make you an adulterer. The fact that you are struggling, sometimes even with the bad habit of over-drinking, these will not, should be your identity. You should not embrace that as your identity. Ephesians 5, 5, For you may be sure of this, everyone who is sexually immoral, impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. This verse indicates... That we essentially are not immoral people, impure, selfish people. We may, in occasion, engage in conduct that is immoral, unclean, or selfish. Yet, these falls, these stumblings, do not constitute the whole identity of who we are. Our fundamental identity... It's based on God and His grace provided in Christ. We are God's chosen people. We are His offspring. We are the creation of God to display His invisible attributes. We are the beloved of God. But pastor, suppose someone continue in a life that is characterized... By immorality, impurity, greed. In that case, I dare to say, you are not responding to the grace you had received. Genuine grace received genuinely by faith leads to genuine transformation. Period. So, your identity is never related to the areas you struggle. And I know that people that decided to embrace their temptations as their identity have much more hard time to overcome that habit than those that don't see themselves related to that temptation. Can I be open with you guys? Pastor, I struggle with homosexual temptations. This does not constitute you a homosexual person. You don't need to identify yourself as such. Because you are being tempted with that sin. Ultimately, we are all sexually broken. And because uh, there are specific categories of sexual immorality sins, like Paul himself described in, in the uh, First Corinthians... This is only to display that we are all sexually broken. But the fact that I'm being tempted 
by pornography doesn't make me a pornographer. The fact that I struggle with immor like immoral thoughts doesn't make me an adulterer. I don't need to embrace the identity under my temptation. Are guys following trying to say? The world is prideful of their iniquity. They embrace their immorality as cultural. Romans 1. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Look that Paul says the world is all this. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they, they not only do them, but they wave a pride flag. So maybe you didn't know that, but the pride slogan is not by chance. We are prideful embracing iniquity. Prideful embracing our brokenness in sin. But we are not like that. Again, this is not supposed to sign you up to the Pharisee party. We are not part of these guys. I'm telling you this just to not let your temptation become your identity. So when we fail, Pastor, when I stumble, what do we do? We confess our sins. We receive grace. And we stand again. In the way of holiness, with no excuses about our failures, but with no identification and pride for the mistakes we made. Our essential identity comes from God, comes from His grace. We are God's special people. We are God's children. We have the divine nature within us. Now Paul... Here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7 says, Therefore, do not become partners with them. In other words, we are among them, but not partners. We are the fish in the sea, but not salted by the water. Did you get it? That deserves a tweeter. Come on, somebody. We are in the world, but we are not part of the world. Now, we need to be aware of this broad cultural tendency to minimize wrongness. Of what Christians identify as sin, the world calls temperament, personality. A few years ago, they were actually going to call personality disorder, but right now it's just personality. For us... Latino hot-blooded. And some have pride of it. For some white brothers, Irish temperament. But the Bible says in Psalm 1, Blesses the man who walks in the, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. We speak about the Word of God, the Word of Christ. And on the, His law, 
he meditates day and night. We know that this expression law here in the new covenant display, the new covenant lenses, it speaks about the word of Christ. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. How many of you guys want that lifestyle over your life? So we are not supposed to avoid all humor. Actually, we are the most joyful people. We laugh without any influence of alcohol or drugs. We laugh because we have reasons to laugh. 1 Corinthians 5, 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now pay attention that Paul teaches us something. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world. Or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. So Paul insists that it is inevitable. We're going to have friends in our college. We're going to have uh, people of the world that are exactly this description in our workplace. You are not supposed to be partner. But not necessarily to not be among them. The problem of Christians that has no different lifestyle from the rest of the world is that the result is our message become watered down, sugar quoted, and people are not going to take serious what we say because of the lifestyle so similar to them. The Bible tells us about a story of a man called Lot. He was living among the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. More specific, Sodom. The Bible says that Lot had two sons-in-law. But Lot had his lifestyle very similar to the Sodom people. One day, God couldn't bear the wickedness of the city anymore. And he decided to send destruction. We know this story. It's in Genesis chapter 19. And Lot tried to warn his sons-in-law. But because Lot was so similar, even though he was righteous, even though he was part of God's people, his sons-in-law, let's go to there, Genesis 19, 14. Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, up, let us all get out of this place. For the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Come on, Lot. You were yesterday night in our table drinking some happy hour drinking. You were just like us. Is that another joke? They didn't take his seriously. We are children of light. Let's walk accordingly. Empowered by the grace. Just shining the light we had received. John 12. Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while. For a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. 
lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become the sons of light. We should not expect the world knows their way. We know the way. We just point the way. Now, I wanted to close my message. Because I know right now you're feeling, okay, Pastor, I'm not that perfect person. There are some impurities in my life. There are some, you know, behaviors that are not fit for a children of light. Could you please encourage me? Yes, I will encourage you. I want to end my message speaking about the wrath of God. That's my encouragement for you. Because that's what actually Paul does here. He speaks that this is not a game. We are not playing church here, everybody. Now, pastor, what do you mean about that? All right. I mean what the apostle of grace meant about the wrath of God. Those who live without God are not just in darkness. They are darkness. But we who live with God, we're not just in light. We are light. Look, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And some of us read the word wrath. And the image that comes to your mind is just that fits of rage. A very annoyed person that is just mad. Because he had to wait a little extra minutes in the line of the next Bush Gardens ride. And so in wrath. So maybe that's the image you're thinking here. But I have a better image for you to understand what is the wrath of God. Have you ever been unfairly treated? Did you ever suffer injustice? Have you ever felt powerless? Before a situation of mistreatment, someone around you were being hurt and you had nothing to do and you couldn't do it and you felt wrath. That indicates a little bit what the Bible means for the wrath of God. It is an emotion that stems from the deep sense of injustice. So God does not minimize sin. Rather, God detests sin and judges sin. God does not oversee injustice, immorality, impurity, and greed. But of course, this is not the whole story. We got to Ephesians chapter 5. After reading Ephesians chapter 2, among whom, verse 3, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We were. Everybody says, we were. You are not anymore. We were. We were the, the, the target for God's wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, enemies of God, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace. Everybody says, by grace. Very loud, say, by grace. I am saved. So we can't really grasp grace without understanding the wrath comes. We can really not grasp the love of God without grasping the wrath of God. And if we don't get that, we will not evangelize. We're not going to invite people to the service. We're going to be shy, a little timid to bring people to our life groups because we think the wrath of God is not a real thing. But it is. We have to say that. That the grace of God is not only to deliver us from the hurts and hurdles of life in this life. Ultimately, we were saved from the very wrath of God. That the whole mankind is anticipating, not we, but we want to bring more to us. Mm -hmm.